running into the tying run gets on, and Tennessee will have an opportunity to win the East. What a season for the Volunteers. You could hear the excitement over the airwaves. Yes, you certainly can. Did not. Jesus. Oh my gosh. I just what? What? Gavin! Gavin! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Section YY8 podcast. The last full week of July 2021. We're another week closer to the start of college football, another week closer to Tennessee starting their miserable 2021 season. A lot going on on this week's show. There's a lot that has happened since we recorded last week, not only in the UT sports world, but in sports in general. And we'll get to all that as we go along. Wanted to start the show by saying we lied to you last week. Misinformation, disinformation, fake news, whatever you want to call it, we lied to you. We said we were going to, from here on out, going to record live in the studio, in the Section YY8 studio. Gavin was going to sit across from me, and that's how we were going to do things from here on out. Well, we lied. It's not happening this week. Gavin called me earlier today, and he he basically said, hey, hey, niece, I'm just not feeling it. Um, had a long day at work and just a lot going on he's like I just don't think I can bring my a game I'm not going to bring much to the table I'm going to sit this one out and let you and whoever else that you choose to bring on kind of carry the load this week Gavin is taking a mental break he needed to uh, he needed a reset um, he's he's at home working on his uh, mental health so uh, we're going to give Gavin the week off uh, so he can he can uh, get things back together, and uh, we'll see him the next time we record. So, uh, y'all, just keep Gavin in your thoughts and prayers, and Gavin will be back here in a couple weeks better than ever. Gavin told me, he's like, hey, man, I can't come on if I'm not on my A game. And that's all we do on this show. We we want your A game. Now, a lot of the greats would would fight through it, but not Gavin. He's like, hey, look, man, if I can't bring my A game, then I, I, I just can't do it. So Gavin's backing out this week. Um, he needs some me time. So uh, we'll, we'll get, catch back up with Gavin here the next time we record, whenever that may be. And uh, we'll, we'll try to go on this week without him. We'll see how it goes. But a lot going on on this week's show. I've got a fill-in this week. David Albright, my seat partner in section yy8 we're going into our last season so this isn't the last time he'll be on the show hopefully but he's going to come on here in just a few minutes talk conference realignment and we're going to go through ut's 2021 football schedule take a look at the opponents not picking games but looking at who tennessee plays this year what they did last year and what they're looking at this year so like I said, a lot going on, and one of the craziest things that's happened this week, and it actually happened last week, you know, the SEC came out, Southeastern Conference, during media days, and was talking about their COVID protocols. China virus. They got to have 85%, or they want 85% of the 
of each team's roster to, to be vaccinated. And if they're not, they're, they're going to be pushing the envelope, may have some forfeits if it's them found to be the cause of the outbreak. Well, the NFL is taking it one step further. The NFL is now basically mandating vaccines. Two coaches have already resigned their positions because of it. Tier one individuals in the NFL have to be vaccinated. So coaches are tier one. The thing that really gets me is the NFL is still testing healthy and vaccinated individuals. Why? A continuation of this policy is only going to find the NFL with players having to sit out all throughout the season. And you would think that mandating a vaccine would be something that would stop that. But if you continue to test things like that, it's going to happen. And I said this on last week's show. Why are we continuing to test individuals in all forms of society, not just sports? But why are we continuing to test healthy individuals who are healthy, not showing signs of illness, and those that are even vaccinated? Sometimes it's both. It simply doesn't make sense. Say what you will about the SEC's Greg Commissioner Greg Sankey last week saying teams, like we mentioned earlier, have need to be at 85% vaccination rate or face possible forfeitures. But what the NFL is doing is simply crazy and doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in any walk of life. I'm going to the Windy City next week, Chicago, visit my family. I've been asked to take a China virus test since I'm unvaccinated. Why? I've already had the China virus and I'm not sick. I don't go get tested for the flu if I'm not sick. I don't get tested for strep throat if I'm not sick. Why are we testing healthy individuals who are not sick and in some cases even been vaccinated? With this way of thinking and way of doing business, the virus will never go away, ever. Some may actually want the virus to stay with us forever. I'm looking at you, left-wingers and Democrats. So they can push their agenda, or agendas. No one has yet to, or no one I don't think ever will be able to give me a good enough explanation to justify the constant testing of healthy individuals and vaccinated individuals. And sometimes they're vaccinated and healthy. Doesn't make sense to me. And as long as sports organizations, leagues, teams, businesses, whoever continues down this path, we're never going to get rid of the China virus. This is not going to happen. And I'm really worried about sports this fall. They pushed getting vaccinations so hard, but they're still going to have forfeits. They're still going to have star players sitting out. They're still going to have teams struggling to fill out a roster because they keep testing. Stop it. Stop testing healthy individuals. I don't get it. I've been saying this for months on this show. Stop testing healthy people. It doesn't make sense. All right. As I mentioned earlier, 
lot to get to on this show. Conference realignment, UT schedule. Let's get to it. We are back here talking conference realignment. Special guest on this week's show, as I mentioned earlier, David Albright at Day Day Ball on Twitter. David, what's going on? Uh, not much. David is my father. I'm Davey. Davey, but, my bad. I'm trying to be proper if here. If we're going legalities, <laughs> it is Davey. I didn't call you Mr. Albright. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> that's your father. <laughs> Um, are you looking forward to this last season in section YY8? Looking forward to YY8, not so much this season, but we're gonna. I told I would uh, like every, to be surprised. I told everybody last week we'll have a uh, when we get later in the season, we'll have uh, you, Big Montana, maybe Cruz, and some others to <laughs> talk about all the. T- I don't want to say good times because most of the time we've experienced just terrible losses up there yeah pretty much when i don't go and hide in the skybox yeah mm-hmm. leave me there to burn in the heat <laughs> well too bad <laughs> it, <laughs> it's a lot cooler in the skybox in section yy8 but this is true yeah i'm kind of sad about section yy8 leaving but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as the season goes on because i was telling everybody last week we got to find a way to get something from the section. I, I want agree. the sign, one of the signs that says like YY8, YY9 on it, you know, when you walk in. Yes. I don't know how. I've got to call somebody at UT and like, I'll pay for it. Like, they're just going to throw yeah, it away. Definitely. I mean, exactly. Gonna... I don't, when they demolished, I guess when they put in the chairbacks, they sold those bleachers. So, because yeah. I have a, I have a little like two seater bleacher in my house, and Jessica got it for me, the wife. So I'm assuming they'll do the same thing. Yeah, I've, I mean it's I got a little money uh, scheme. Right? Well, I Why mean, not? You know, it's UT. They're going to do anything for money. But yeah, I got a call. I'm going to put in a call here pretty soon to somebody at the Tennessee Fund and start there and kind of work my way. If I have to, I'll bring out the big guns. I don't want to reveal who that is, but. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get something because I don't want to steal it like I've stolen other things from the stadium that you, you've seen me oh, steal things. Nothing, nothing. I've never <laughs> seen anything. Remember Georgia 2017 game? That's all I'll say. I, I vividly remember what you brought to our section. I still have it, by the way, and we'll bring it out. Even <laughs> though this is should. a podcast, we'll we'll talk about it <laughs> later on. All right, conference realignment. Were you surprised to hear about this last week? I was very surprised, but I've honestly not been deep diving into sports this summer as much as I usually do. It caught me off guard. And then I was like, nah, they're not going to do it. And then today you get the news that I guess they officially been offered. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised, honestly. Um, Yeah. I mean, I always – actually, it was about a couple, three months ago. I can't remember when it was. It wasn't on this show. I was talking to somebody and – this came up and we, it may have been when I was on my golf trip and we talked about how there, one day there's going to be super conferences, maybe just four or five of them, but one day they're going to 
they're going to – that's what's going to happen. There's going to be 16 teams and these big conferences and then everybody else is just kind of out there on their own. And then it wasn't two weeks later when we got back that this comes out last week after media days. And I kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it – those two schools. No I was way. expecting somebody more like Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, you know, somebody like that. Um, at this at Texas, Oklahoma came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, I didn't see it coming at all, especially those two. And then now we're going to have the UT battle, whatever that's going to be. Uh, I don't, whatever. I don't, that's, I'm so sick of that. Who's the real me UT? Too. They're both UT. I mean, they're both <laughs> UT. One pays the other to use the rights when they go somewhere. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so like, like we mentioned last week, Texas and Oklahoma informed the Big 12. They're not renewing their media rights once it expires in 2025. And um, they went ahead and made that official. And did you see that letter they sent the SEC? It was literally like a paragraph asking yeah, to join short, the conference. short, sweet, to the point. I and liked it. it. Together. It's, okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, we're the top dogs, and we're asking to come. Yeah, and they are. I mean, Oklahoma is the top dog football-wise, but Texas overall, you know, yeah, the top I mean, athletic Texas got the money. Probably in the country, to be honest. Probably. But, um, they made it official by requesting admission to the conference. Um, apparently, they've been talking, like we said, since January, six months. Um, I heard I was, today it was a year. It may have now, been longer know. than that. Um, I don't know, you know. So, the SEC. A year, that'd SC, be crazy. The SEC did vote today, presidents, 14 to 0 to let them in. But I was reading this morning, um, got caught up in some work stuff, and was reading this morning that the Big 12 has sent a letter to SEC, to ESPN, I'm sorry, and it's a cease and desist letter. And they've accused ESPN of manipulation. Um, it says in the letter that ESPN had, or that ESPN has taken actions to not only harm the Big 12, but to result in financial benefits for ESPN. The Big 12's letter also says ESPN is actively engaged in discussions with at least one other conference regarding that conference, including additional members of the Big 12 to leave the Big 12. And it says the AP source in that, and I hadn't heard this until I read this article, an AP source said that the conference in question is the American Athletic Conference, the AAC which agreed to a 12-year, $1 billion deal with ESPN two years ago. That one was kind of out of nowhere to me in all this. Yeah. Evan, I saw something on that today. I was like, what? Isn't that the conference what? Memphis and Cincinnati's in? Yeah. I, I don't know. So. Yeah. I mean, who in that conference would go to – I mean, I guess they could take Cincinnati and Memphis and teams like UCF, but – yeah. I, what that doesn't make schools, any sense. That doesn't make logistically any sense. Logistically or, yeah. Well, the conferences anymore don't make sense. They don't. They don't. I mean, the Big Ten is going from Nebraska to New Jersey pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of like, what's the point of playing out a conference when you travel that far now? Like It's not. You, that's, why I ten, that's why the SEC needs the to The home and home more. stuff is. Right. Yeah. They need to put more conference games in their schedule. The SEC does. Which leads me into my next topic on realignment. And you can throw in your teams if, if they differ from mine. But I tweeted this last Friday. I, 
a buddy of mine was texting me a couple nights ago and he was like what do you think about realignment and i sent him what i'm about to tell you all and he said niece that's been out since last week from and he sent me a picture of somebody else i was like dude i tweeted this last week i'm not saying Mm -hmm. i came up you know i'm sure there's others that have come up with this alignment but i just feel like this pod these four pods make more sense to me um to keep rivalries intact uh i guess logistically almost a little bit even though you're still going to travel around and play everybody but my pods four pods of four teams each pod a would be florida tennessee south carolina georgia so you're keeping florida tennessee together Georgia and Florida together, and even Georgia, South Carolina together, and even Tennessee, Georgia. That's somewhat of a rivalry. Pod B, I've got Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, Vandy. Obviously, you're keeping Alabama, Auburn together. Pod C, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, keeping Ole Miss and State together. LSU and Arkansas, somewhat of a rivalry, golden boot. Um, And then – Pod D would be what I call the old Big 12, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, and A&M. So it keeps the OU, Texas together, Texas A&M together, and then it throws Missouri in there with some of their old conference um, foes from years ago. But I don't know what your alignment might look like, if it looks the same, but that's what I – I feel like that works – would work the best. Yeah, no, I like that. I've seen one where it was like – I don't like that they call it North in the SEC. That That's no, weird to me. But, no. like, it was Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. And if you look at the map, how they had it circled out, it made a lot of sense. Yes, and I that, saw that one. That one was That good. logistics. That one looked good. And I can't remember what they did. It was, like, still Bama-Auburn. I want to say it was Mississippi State and maybe Georgia. I mean, I, I don't know exactly, but, I mean, yours looks good. It makes sense. Like you said, it keeps some rivalries. And, yes, Bama-Tennessee is a rivalry, but, come on. It hasn't been a rivalry since I've been 18, 19 years old, whatever it was. Um, it hasn't been a rivalry since 2006. So Yeah. So, <laughs> I wasn't 18 in 2006, but. Still. I was – I was in school at UT the last time we won. Against, <laughs> and I was there at the game. I mean, I remember going to that game. It was a – it wasn't one of Alabama's better teams. It was, um, I guess, Mike oh, yeah, last year at Alabama. But I – that Alabama-Auburn game is probably in I, – That – I mean, if they're doing the – you can't play this, you know, the rotating yeah. thing, you got to keep those two together. That's the most important probably rivalry. To those two schools, those are more important. I mean, Alabama-Tennessee is important as far as the conference goes, but I think if you ask Alabama fans, they would say Auburn, and Auburn would say the same thing. Tennessee and Auburn used to have a rivalry a little bit, but they don't play anymore. Um, Tennessee-Alabama obviously plays every year, but I think Tennessee-Florida makes more sense. Um, If I had my – I'm a – a tradition guy i would rather play alabama just from a tradition standpoint sure i mean just from what i grew up knowing yes but if yeah, you're i, I mean so. you're basically blowing up the sec in a sense by going to 16 teams and doing pods instead of east west do you so, think they'll do you think they'll go to pods or do you think they'll uh keep divisions like 18 divisions it, 
the championship game will be really weird out of a pod, I would think. You'd almost have but to have semifinal. My thoughts, but yeah, I mean, unless they're saying, okay, we're doing pods, one and two play each other. That works. But that's weird too, in a, in a way. You're just like, because it's not always balanced schedule wise. The only so the thing with at least the, you run through all of your division to get to the championship game. The thing with the pods is you're at basically those four teams that say say Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia win their pods. So who do who plays who? Do you just match up pod A and B and C and D or A yeah, and D and B C? Like you got to figure that out, and then. You're going to play a 12-game season, so nine conference games, three non-conference games. So then those four teams are at least going to play a 13th game. Two of those teams are going to play a 14th game. Then you have the possibility of both of those teams playoff. finals making the playoffs, or at least one, playing a 15th and 16th game. And that's never been done before in college football. So that's something mm-hmm. like how do they – how do they do a championship game in the conference out of a pod? I mean, you almost have to do a playoff. Yeah, you, it's, yeah it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm sure they have a plan. I mean, I'm sure it's already – Oh, I'm. this I'm is sure what our plan is. I'm sure they're hard at work because I have a feeling that we're not going to have to wait till 2025 for no. Oklahoma and Texas to join us. I don't think a lot of – I've seen a lot. They'll join next year. I don't think it'll be next year, but I do think it'll be 23. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I, when they'll be in. I think you're right. I'm thinking two years. This year, because next year. Because there's a lot of schedules already made out. I mean, of course, long wait. Like, we play Oklahoma. What is it? Don't we so play we were, them again? We were, yeah, we were supposed to play them in Norman last year, and I don't so, know. So, I mean, that's, that's null and void. Yeah. Now, so, what happens? In a sense. Like, I mean, but I, I don't know um, – let me look up UT's future football schedule. Um, so, I mean, that's where it's going to get tricky, too. Who right. Um, because we were supposed to host Oklahoma at some point uh, after going to Norman last year. Um, and I think it's in the next, like, four or five years. Yeah. Let's see. 2024, it, we're supposed to host Oklahoma on September 7th. So – you know, what does that do? And then you've got in 23 – sorry, let's look in 25. We've got Syracuse, which is in Atlanta, but that's the only non-conference game. So, you know, there's really a lot of wiggle room past 23 because we're scheduled yeah. at, in 23 at BYU, Austin P, uh, Texas, San Antonio, and UConn in Knoxville. But after that, there's only one team each, 25 against Syracuse in Atlanta – 26 at Nebraska, 27 Nebraska here, and then 28 West Virginia and Charlotte. So there's wiggle room there, but you're right. What do we do about – do we still play Oklahoma in 24 and then they join the conference? Probably. Yeah. I mean, but what if they join weird. before then? Or if they join before? Are they, are they just in that slot and say that's an SEC game? What? I, I guess they would just – unless we played them on the schedule and they may work it out to where it stays that way, I guess they would just – you know, hey, this contract's null and void. This is forget it. Yeah, because we're both going to be strange. we're both going to be in the same conference unless they just, 
hey, in 2024, let's schedule it to where these two play each other. Yeah, I mean, but, that'd be a easy, you would think. But Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I've, I remember when this was going on, I think in like 2010 was when all this came out about A&M joining and Missouri, and it always intrigued me. I wasn't a big fan of those two schools necessarily, but expanding the SEC was always um, – was always interesting to me, even conferences, teams moving around. I remember when I was little, the Big Eight went away in the Southwest Conference, and yeah. they joined. And then the SEC expanded to 12. I don't really remember a whole lot about it because I was like seven, six, seven. I don't remember. I was going to say, I was pretty young, too, when that happened. 92, so I would have been eight, seven or eight. Yeah, I was, I was seven. But um, it'll be interesting to see over the next year – I think you'll see it'll kind of go quiet for a while here, but right when the season starts. I mean, people obviously talk about it when games are right. on, and then it'll kind of go away a little bit, and then it'll start picking back up again, especially when we get into baseball season and next summer. But I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think next year you'll see anything. It'll be 23 at the earliest. That's kind of what, kind of how I feel about it, but you never know. They may want to go ahead and get it going. But I think know. there's other conferences going to be doing stuff, and you don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage by growing too fast. And then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just let them eat them. You know, they're going to eat each other. Let's right. let them do that for a while. But you got to think the Pac-12 is probably – and I've read that they've been in discussions with TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, you know, those Texas schools that are going to be left out of this. Where, where does the Big 12 go? Do they try to add teams to replace? I mean, you can't replace Texas and Oklahoma. Nope, you can't. I mean, that, somebody brought it up. It was like a mall. It, you're two anchor stores, and they're leaving. Yeah. You can sit there and still get some business, but it's never going to be the same. I mean, I had read where Nebraska has been very unhappy with the Big 10, but they would have to shell out a ton of money to leave to go back to the Big 12. But they're yeah. not what I mean. They're not if they if they were nineties Nebraska, that would be different. But they're. I was gonna say it's like they don't carry the weight like they used to. Just they're like, like us. They're like us. Like, right. Crazy. That is, and like like we said, it came out of nowhere a couple weeks or last week. So it was. Um, I wasn't shocked. It kind of surprised me that it happened literally like two or three weeks after. You know, we're playing golf. We're just talking yeah it's and it like, comes up and you know i was like yeah probably gonna be super conferences one day and there's gonna be like there. five of them i didn't think that like the big there's your first would, one yeah i mean i always saw a maybe not necessarily clemson but like i said earlier georgia tech virginia tech or virginia somebody like that coming to the sec west virginia maybe yeah. i didn't mean virginia i meant west virginia and um but i mean even Virginia kind of makes sense. Right. Not saying they're great or anything, but it makes sense. But, um, I mean, adding Oklahoma and Texas is a big deal. I know it's not – I mean – They're not Southern teams, but they're big-time names. So – Big-time names. They still have – like, Texas at least still has a Southern vibe to them in a way. A lot more than yes, AM. More, I've been to right. I've been to AM and it was it was like I said last week, it was um 
it was more SEC than Missouri. Missouri, I don't yeah, know. Missouri, have still, you been to Missouri? It, no, I haven't. I refuse to it, go there. I went. I've been once, and I I don't want to go back. It was lame. It. Yeah, I have like a friend it, that's a Missouri fan. Even he admits that they're not your traditional SEC style school. I mean, it it did feel like I was in another. It felt like a non conference game. It felt like when I went to Oregon. That was obviously not SEC. Um, yeah. But it just did not feel like an SEC play. When I went to A and M, it it was a little weird, but it did feel like I was in an SEC town. Missouri was not. I mean, we parked in a hospital parking garage and walked right to the stadium, and I mean, it just didn't feel like a <laughs> yeah, that's not like a football, like an SEC football Saturday, like when yeah. you go to Georgia or Alabama. Oh Auburn. yeah, they have they have a distinct feel to them. And Texas, I think Texas is a lot. Those closer. two will be fine. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. I've been to Oklahoma. I mean, you've been to Oklahoma. Yeah, so. it's it. It was it was a lot like an. I mean, you. I felt like I was in Big Twelve country. Obviously, we were, um, but they're football crazy, just like we are, and so is Texas. So it yeah, it'll all work out in the end. It'll just be uh, interesting to see how they figure out how to bunch all these teams up. 16 teams yeah. is a lot. And even – I know we've talked about football, but you got basketball, which isn't going to be as hard because they're yeah, they wide with open. That? I mean – I mean, it's kind of a wide open system anyway, but you're adding two more teams, it's more conference games, or are you saying no more conference games and you're just playing everybody once? What do you, what do, you do? It, it's just – Yeah, baseball. They have a plan. I mean, baseball, same way, yeah, because you got three-game series there, so – See, and one that you we forget about, I know we don't talk about it a lot on here, is softball. They only they'll only yeah. have fifteen teams in softball because Vanderbilt doesn't have softball. Doesn't have a softball team, yeah. So what do they That's do so there? Odd. Yeah, that is the typical Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's just whatever. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, sure. at what point do they say, okay, we're we're going to remove some teams? I mean, because I, I don't know what the contracts are for these teams. At what point? If they want to grow and be this super super conference, you can't really have Vanderbilt. You can't. Being good at but just do you think they would baseball. ever? Do you think they would ever? It's like relegating in soccer. You think they would ever kick Vandy out? They no, don't, I don't. But think what they, they don't would. bring anything to the table. But though, they don't bring baseball. anything to the table. Yeah. I mean, literally, baseball. And is that's all they recent. Bring to, Honestly, that's recent. Right. That's if you just, go back and look, it's not something that they've been historically great at. That's just in the last 10 or 15 years that that's happened. Um, but you're right. Like, what do they bring to the table? Nothing. They're basketball. They don't sell out their own stadiums. I mean, other teams invade it. Like, it's – The only going. reason they won't get rid of it – and I don't think this is a huge deal because it's in – Academic in Nashville. Academics, so I didn't. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say the Nashville TV market. Yeah. But they don't have a fan base. Like ten, there's more no, Tennessee fans don't. in Nashville than Vandy. There has to be. Oh, there is. Because when you go to a game there, and I know it's not that far from Knoxville, but when Tennessee plays there, the whole stadium's orange. Well, I mean, LSU came, took over their stadium. Right. Everybody does. And there's probably the way Nashville's grown the last ten years maybe 15 now at this point, uh, there's fans from everywhere of any team yeah, across the country in Nashville. But exactly. there's not that many LSU fans in Nashville to sell out a 
thirty or I don't know what are they forty thousand seat stadiums? Yeah, it's, like that. it's small. High school, it's small. There's high school stadiums in Texas bigger than Vanderbilt Stadium. I mean, it, it kind of it's weird to me because they get all this money, and I know they dump it in academics. That's fine. That's college, but now things are changing. You got all this. We're gonna pay some players <laughs> for their image and likeness. When are we gonna expand that stadium and make it look like they belong in the SEC? Right. Where these kids can get all this stuff. Crazy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know if they ever would do that. I mean, Vandy's the obvious candidate to boot them out. I don't know who else you boot out. And Do you replace them or just do you contract? I mean, there was talk yeah, in know. Major League Baseball about 15 years ago about taking teams out. You know, they moved Montreal to Washington – but they were talking about contracting Minnesota and Tampa Bay, the Twins yeah, and the Rays, out. And now both of those have always been – I don't want to say they're World Series contenders. The Twins won – Well, I mean, yeah, they're, they've been playing better since that time. Well, you think back in the 2000s and, and early 2010s, Minnesota was always competing for the AL Central or a wild card when Ron Gardenhire was there. And the Rays have been to the World Series a couple times, and it's – I don't know. They were just contracting them because nobody was going to the games. Right. was the yeah. thought process. But I think you'll – you won't see teams get contracted. You'll see them move. Yeah, I think that's what it would be. But I don't know. Would you ever – because Vanderbilt's been there forever. I mean, they're one of the – they're one of the old – I guess a charter member of the conference. Yeah. So that would be tough. I'm sure there's some bylaw that says you can't take them out unless they want out. Nobody would miss them. That's for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would miss beating them, even though we don't do that much <laughs> anymore in football. But speaking of Vanderbilt, I wanted to talk not necessarily picking wins and losses, but look at some of the opponents on UT's schedule this fall. I know. Davey and I were talking before the or before the podcast about uh, Section YY8 and looking forward to it being the last year. But let's be honest, I don't think we're necessarily looking forward to the season at all. Mm-hmm. I drove by there on my way to work this morning. I go that way most of the time down Neyland Drive, and I was just like, "We're thirty something days away now." And I was like, man, we're going to have another four and eight or five and seven season again. And it's just over and over again. But I thought, let's look at the schedule and see who we play. Can we beat them? We'll wait till we get closer to the season to actually pick the games, see how everybody does as we go along. But it's not looking like it's going to be a great season, is it? No, it doesn't. And I felt that way for a while, and it's not because of the coach. It's just – I mean, it's look fact. what you just came out of. I mean, limited roster. Who's the QB? I know we got like 17 of them, but one of the ones everybody thought was a big player gets kicked off. Okay. I'm not saying he was going to take the job. The other one couldn't beat out JG. Granted, he was a freshman, but the year didn't count. So – why not roll the dice and just go with it? You got another one that's kind of – we'll just call it a – I don't want to say it like that. Mm, he has issues. We'll say that. He has issues. Okay. Yeah. Then you got transfers. 
that you really don't know anything other than what they put on film at those other schools. And it's always hard with transfers. You don't know what happened there, all that. But yeah, QB, if we get QB play, we'll probably be better than what I think. But I just don't have faith in our QB play. It yeah. is what it is. And there's a reason some of those guys transferred, and we'll get into that later on. But, I mean, it's – when you have 37 players leave your program or at least enter the transfer portal, which leads the country – there's not much to be optimistic about, even when you look at some of these teams we're going to play. Like, leading off, we've got Bowling Green, and I'm not even going to talk much about them. I was So I went through Athlon. Um, they do a pretty good job of, of highlighting things from last year's teams looking ahead to this year. And I didn't even read much about them when I saw Bowling Green was 0-5 last year. They only played five games. They had six on the schedule. One was – I guess, canceled because of COVID. Um, but they went 0-5 last year, and I think Tennessee, let's see, beat them in Nashville. I remember going to that game, 59-30 to in Nashville at Nissan yeah. Stadium or whatever it was called back then. I remember that game, it was like a 30- or 40-minute delay because of lightning. Yeah, it was weird. I remember that too. And uh, that was the first time Coach we saw Alvin Kamara. Because I remember I was like, who's this Kamara guy? Like, who? Because he had a big game that day. And it was like, man, this kid's going to be good. Of course, now we know really that he's good. But yeah, Bowling Green 0 5. What did you say the line was on that game, the early line? 33. 33. Tennessee's favored by 33. That shows (laughs) you. He scored 33 points once last year. That shows you how bad Bowling Green is. When I first saw that Bowling Green was on the schedule, I because they've been good in the past or, or had some decent teams, I was like, man, that's going to be a tough opener. And I didn't really think much else about it. But then when I looked at it, I'm like, ugh, that team's awful. They're bad. Yeah. I guess since – I keep thinking of uh, – oh, what was it? Dino – Yes. Babers? Babers, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had them high-flying offense everywhere. That's yeah, what was, I think of. But I, don't, I couldn't tell you who the coach is. Yeah, I didn't even He look. had Syracuse humming there for a little bit, and then he came back to earth. Yeah, Dino, I, I guess, was there at Bowling Green when we played him last in 2015. Yeah, because he kept just lighting it up, and then that Bowling Green wide receiver went to Bama. That one, thing I remember, one thing I remember about that Bowling Green game, we were, we had, were marching up the field, and – um, one of the Bowling Green defensive linemen was trying to – he was trying to – and his shoe – he was holding his shoe in there, and then he just fell backwards. Like, he collapsed on the field. Everybody was like, what in the funny. world? Of course, they had to stop that the game. There was a 300 That's what it was. Defense. He didn't throw a shoe. He, he acted like he fainted. BYU was, was the shoe throwing. That's right. BYU threw the shoe. I guess that was, what, two years ago? Um, but yeah. yeah they, a game we should have won that we lost. Go figure. Let's not talk about that. More, we'll Sorry. talk about that when um, when we do the Remember Section YY8 show, the Remembrance podcast, because that was one game I think we all three, you, me, and Big Montana were highly upset that night. Oh, man. Like, that was, was, that was as mad as I've been hmm. in, that, in that section. Yeah, and I've been plenty mad. We've, we've all been mad. Um, next game at Neyland. This was the one that worries me. I don't know a whole lot about them. I read about them today, but Pittsburgh Panthers, 
They were six and five last year. They went five and five in the ACC, but they started three and zero. Oh. So they went three and five to finish the year. So not great. They did beat Louisville. They did beat Virginia Tech. Um, I looked up their coach, Pat Narduzzi, seventh season there at Pittsburgh. Um, so he's got a culture. He's got a culture. They've got a fifth-year starting quarterback coming back. Um, Kenny Pickett threw for 2,408 yards, passed for 13 touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns, and completed 61% of his passes. Um, they were ranked 39th nationally in passing, but their running game, this may be why they lost five games, they were ranked 111th in the country in rushing offense. Um, they've got a the ACC Rookie of the Year runner-up at wide receiver coming back, Jordan Addison. He led the nation, the nation's freshman in receptions per game with six and total receptions with 60. Um, defensively, they're really good. You and I were talking before we started recording about them. They're, they're, they were really good last year. Second nationally in sacks per game at, with 4.18. Um, second in tackles for loss with 10.1, and in third in total rush defense, 93 yards a game. They did lose five starters, so that's going to hurt them defensively. But Athlon has them ranked 41st preseason overall. Tennessee's 56. And obviously their program is ahead of us right now. We're yeah, in disarray. I I, I'm – posted or sent it to you i know but i don't i can't remember if i posted it or not but cbs put out that article of the top i guess 130 programs in d1 and they ranked them by stability tennessee was 127 out of 130 (laughs) not good not good at all terrible but that's a game i mean i think tennessee can win it but i don't know what we're going to be like defensively this year we lost Line, we don't have any linebackers. Our defensive backs, what are they going to be like? And Pittsburgh looks like they can throw the football. And then they're pretty – I know they lost five starters, but if they're anything like they were last year, they were pretty solid defensively. Um, they may not be – losing five starters, they may not be as good defensively, but if they're anything close to that, they're, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. I, I don't know. That's kind of a toss-up game to me early in the season. I agree. I mean, I was looking at the ESPN, FPI, just, you know, just saying. They are having us go six and six, and Pitt as a win. But, I mean, it's essentially a toss-up game. It's 51.9% Tennessee. Now, this is one thing. I was just kind of diving back into some schedule of UCF. The fighting – oh, what's his name? Hipples blew them out, man, like 45-14. So, what does that mean for us? I don't yeah, know. That's a good point. I mean, it's pretty much the same offense he's going to face, but, you know, they yeah, have I mean, the same – what are the players like, I guess. But it'll be interesting. I mean, I, yeah. That's one of those games, like, if we win that game, we're 2-0, we're heading in, into the next game. I didn't even look this team up. Tennessee Tech, they're not even in Division One, so they don't no. count. We win that game and then beat Tennessee Tech mm. the next week. We're heading to Florida. 3-0. and 3-0. And you're thinking the rest of the year, we got to find three wins in the SEC 
to go to a bowl game. Well, not not necessarily three wins in the SEC. You still got South Alabama later in the year. You got to find two wins in the SEC plus South Alabama to get to a bowl game, which I think would be I think we all agree would be a Vanderbilt. Victory. Well, and Vanderbilt too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's doable. I mean, but that Pittsburgh game kind of sets doable. the tone. I feel like it forward. does. If you if you beat them. I'm not saying players going to change our outlook, but fans have a different perspective on the season from I that mean, point. I know we won't be ranked or anything going to Florida at 3-0, but that's still – instead of – you're going to Florida 2-1, they're probably going to be 2-0, 3-0. I don't know who they play beforehand, but that 3-0, and you got two undefeated teams early on in the season. <laughs> that's a big deal. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. They play Bama before us. Who, Florida? So, yeah, so wow, I didn't even look at their schedule. I mean, they, they could be coming off a loss, and I'm not saying we beat Florida. Don't even get me wrong, but no. that if <laughs> if it's going to set up for a win, that would be the time. Come off of Bama, it's. I mean, history has proven teams play poorly after they play Bama. You took the words I mean, right out just, of my mouth. I had no clue they played Bama that early in the year. Yeah, I, I didn't look at their schedule. I did not know that. Um, I'm trying to pull up Florida's outlook for the year. They play USF and FAU to start the year. So, I mean, that's not like – that's typical Florida start of the year. So but that Bama one's different. Yeah, skipping, skipping through Tennessee Tech. So, Tennessee's next game on September 25th is at Florida, at the Swamp. So, they're going through – a little bit of a uh, – I don't want to call it rebuilding, but, you know, they lost a lot of players off of that team last year that was a really good football team. They're starting a new quarterback, Emory uh, Jones, and he was the centerpiece of Mullen's uh, recruiting class, that first class he had. And he's 21, so he's an older starter that's getting his chance. He's a completely different quarterback than Kyle Trask. He's a dual threat. He can do the RPOs, all that stuff. Got a better arm, according to Dan Mullen, than, than Trash. Trash was more of a dink and dunk type guy, I guess you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he was surgical, honestly. He but just that, knew where to go with the ball. But that, yeah, that game, though, you know, Florida's going to have a lot of uh, questions of their own coming into the season. And playing Alabama that early on, you know, like you said, teams historically don't play well the next week after playing Alabama. I always, when I'm betting, I always like if if you play Alabama the week before, I bet against you the next week. It doesn't always work out that way, but they normally right. don't play yeah, well I mean, at there's... all. Mm-mm. And let's couple in that it'll probably be a noon game. It'll be Just noon or three thirty yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, and um, typically home teams for some reason it's weird don't play well. At noon. I don't and, get it. And not only did they lose their quarterback, but they lost Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, and Trayvon Grimes. I mean, those guys, according to Athlon, scored they, they, 31 touchdown catches last year. Um, now, they'll obviously reload a little bit, but they're – I mean, that's three guys that are gone that – that's hard to replace. Yeah, big contributors. That's very hard to replace. Defensively, Florida had a ton of questions last year. Tom, Tom oh, they were Grantham bad. was – they were I've bad. I've never seen them that bad. 
30.8 points a game they allowed last year. It's most, it says here the most at Florida since World War II. Um, but he kept, <laughs> he kept Grantham. Um, so we'll see if that pays off. I don't know. Um, and again, last year was so odd. I don't know what to take from it with some of these teams. I just don't. So, at, yeah, you're right. Athlon has, um, Athlon has Florida national ranking at 11 going into the season, which I thought was a little, a little high, but hell, they know. I mean, yeah, they usually are pretty they're good experts. At it. They're usually pretty close on that. So Florida's 11th. So that'll be an interesting game early on in the season. And then you go to Missouri. So back to back, you got three home games to start the year, and then you're on the road for three, two in a row. Then you're at Missouri. Uh, Missouri got better as the year went along. Tennessee beat them uh, in Neyland early on. Didn't in just beat them; they dominated. I mean, dom- it was you're so right. Odd. They didn't have a quarterback really at that time. They they started that yeah, one guy, true. and then they brought in the, the next guy, Basilek or Basilak. I don't know. He's Basilek. good. Whatever his name is, he's yeah. good. Um, but they um, they got better as the year went along, and and became a pretty good football team at the end of 2020. Um, Dorkwitz, as Gavin calls him, or Drink, Drinkwitz is their coach, but <laughs> Basilek was his name. He replaced Sean Robinson early in the Tennessee game, and he never looked back. He was 67% passing for 2,366 yards, threw for 406 and four touchdowns in the LSU game. I think they won that game. And um, But, yeah, he really came along – It'd be interesting to see how he develops going into the year. I, I don't know much about them defensively. Um, he brought in Steve, former NFL head coach Steve Wilkes during the defense. Had some depth issues last year. Gave up 49.3 points per game. Seven, almost seven and a half yards per play. That's terrible. Whew, My God. That was bad. Um, I thought Tennessee's defense was bad. That's pretty terrible. Woof. Um, they lost one of the nation's best linebackers in Nick Bolton. I was going to say they had a really good linebacker. Yeah, he was, he was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're they're one of those I mean, teams I just don't know what to expect nah, of. And they, they could be – From a, year to year, they're so hot and cold, I never know with them. Yeah, they um, – it says here for their final analysis, the Tigers have difference makers at running – to replace at running back. Linebacker and safety, um, but Drinkwood's second team at Missouri is more experienced and more familiar with the culture he's trying to build. Should be enough to make a solid run at a bowl bid at the least. They have them ranked 34th to start the season. It'll just be a tough game for Tennessee going on the road. Young, inexperienced yeah. team with not a One lot of One thing depth. I do like playing them, we're playing them early, and yes. it's not going to be five degrees. And I'm not saying that that means a lot but it helps man i'm telling you that we went out there in 13 that was butch jones that was when i traveled all over the united states watching a terrible tennessee football team but it was so cold that night in missouri i had a long sleeve tee on of course pants because it was cold (laughs) a hoodie a toboggan i had all this stuff on and i was freezing into the night i was freezing it was so and we had to stay in west st louis and it was like a two-hour drive going back that night and then we drove back 
the next day. And on the way back, I told Thomas Reigns, never again. Or If we come out here again, we're flying. We're not driving out here ever again. <laughs> it was the most boring. I thought Mississippi was bad. Driving through parts of Kentucky and Illinois, southern Illinois, and then Missouri, yeah. it was awful. It was terrible. My family's from up, up there. So, yeah, it, it's just flat. And, I mean, I'm not saying I enjoy all hills, but, man, right. it's just brutal. So, the next game, we come back to Neyland Stadium for a couple in a row. South Carolina comes to town. They are in a year of transition. They got a new coach, Shane Beamer, former uh, UT graduate, graduated from the sport management program at UT just a few years. I about that. Several years ahead of me, but um, he was in that program. I got a met an email from the – sport management department or the, um, I can't remember, partners in sports, I guess, is what it was, and um, that I was a part of at UT when I was there. And they were, they always congratulate people when they get jobs or get promoted or whatever in, in that, from that program. And they sent out an email, like, congrats to former Vol Shane Beamer on his promotion to head coach at South Carolina. And I was like, really? But, I mean, he was only yeah. here because he was a GA when he was here but uh yeah it, that I didn't know I don't I don't know about that hire that one was weird to me I, a lot of people over there odd. wanted they wanted him was the weird thing I my family lives over there and their friends and talking to them that was the first name that popped up when I was I was over there I guess it was around Thanksgiving last year and of course they knew that um they knew that uh, Muschamp was probably going to be gone. I don't think they had announced anything at that point, but they all knew the writing was on the wall. He was out. And I said, well, who do y'all think you're going to get? And the first name out of three of them's mouth was Shane Beamer. And I said, Shane Beamer? Really? And here he is. I don't know. They love him over there for some reason. I've never understood that that one, but. I don't get that one. It it just doesn't. I don't know what they're going to be like. They they weren't very good last year. And I know Tennessee beat them, but we had to fight. Yeah, we had to pray tooth, for it. Tooth and nail to – and had to have kind of a fluke play to to beat them. But, you know, that happens sometimes. But um, they don't know who the starting quarterback is yet. It's going to be a battle between Luke Doty and transfer Jason Brown. Doty started the final two games last year. Um, Brown had a great career, it says here, at FCS St. Francis in Pennsylvania, but didn't play last season because uh, St. Francis canceled their season due to the pandemic. So a lot of questions at quarterback, a lot of questions it looks like at receiver. I was going to say they lost, I mean, basically their receiving core. Yeah, they've got – let's see – Jason Brown's top target from St. Francis is EJ Jenkins, six foot seven receiver came with him. But is I mean, they played at St. Francis. I mean, this is the SEC. Yeah, it's a different animal, man. It's I don't uh, know. last year's midseason pickup, Jalen Brooks only caught eleven passes. I mean, they don't have anything coming back offensively. Um, it says here the offensive – or, sorry, the defensive line is the deepest unit on the teams, and, and this is just in terms of veterans. Um, they have lost so much on the back end, they're going to have to stop teams up front, it says. So, 
Um, wow. I don't know. I, I read this earlier today. I mean, that plays in our favor then if we're going to be pass happy. Yes, and I read this earlier today. It says USC has lost five defensive backs to the NFL or transfer portal. And while it does have a return of some veterans, Cam Smith and Jalen Dickerson, the guys who made all the plays are gone. And going into the seat – so when I drove by the stadium this morning, I'm like, okay, we're going four and eight, five and seven. But when I was looking through these – of course, it's preseason. A lot can happen between now and when do we play then? October 9th. That's a winnable football game if, if Tennessee's got enough players to go and, and we can move the football yeah, up and down the field. That's a winnable game. By then, we should know scheme and everything. We should be okay for a game like that in the SEC. It says on their final analysis, excitement is rampant, but South Carolina only has a couple stars returning. They could easily double their win total from last year, two to four. <laughs> Uh, they think <laughs> some Terrible. think that a six and six season in a bowl berth would be a low end. Um, they've got them ranked 74th <laughs> to start the season. I'm thinking that team, my four wins might be their cap after reading this, which it could be. Tennessee's yeah, cap. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not saying we're gonna be world beaters by any means, but I just don't understand the love for them. I've yet to figure it out. Yeah, and that's after they reading were bad it after last year, and it sounds worse this year. Yeah, and after reading that today, I'm like, Tennessee's in a lot better shape than they are. Yeah, and we lost 37 people to transfer portal. Not and not all of those were super important, but you know, God, I'm we still really, lost a lot of players. I've got to have that game at noon because my, <laughs> I'm in my cousin's wedding. Oh, boy. And I asked him what time he thought the wedding would be, and he said, that's out of my control. And I'm like, schedule it at 4 or 6 – schedule it at 6 o'clock. That way, yeah. me and yeah, Big Montana yeah, yeah. can go to the game. If we need to, <laughs> we can leave at halftime, but we'll be out of there by 3 o'clock, go home, shower very quickly, and head to the church for pictures. Might have to leave at a little At least it's a local before. wedding. Yeah, it's local. It's in Mascot, Tennessee, so oh, yeah, we'll see. That one's up in the air. We may not be at that one, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. The next week, Ole Miss comes to town. The Lane Train, Gavin's boy, comes to town. Uh, they're going to be a handful for Tennessee. Matt Corral's back, or they lost Matt Corral. Let's see. Matt Corral lost the Ole Miss job as a redshirt freshman. Um, I feel like he's still – Got a back or something. No? Who's our other one? That's well, two back. pretty he's back. QBs. Yeah, okay. he's back. I, I misread that. I apologize. But, yeah, there's 333 yards passing last year, 29 touchdowns. Rushed for 506 yards and four touchdowns. Um, you know Kiffin's going to come in here with a good offense. Oh, he's going to want it. Um, They're all SEC but running if back. You look at, if you look at the history between these two coaches, I mean, it favors Apple. And there'll be not, a lot of points in that game. And you're right, it does yeah. favor Hopple. I'm um, not saying he can beat them with the talent we have, but it's just you got to look at that stuff. People always bring it up. So, All like, SEC running back, uh, Jerry on Ely's back, rushed for 745 yards, nine touchdowns. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. Um, 
and they got a lot of weapons coming back. Said, yeah, they're uh, going to be good. John Rice Plumley could see some action at, as a slot receiver. Um, of course, he played baseball this year. I'm pretty sure he did at Ole Miss. That's wild. But uh, he had five catches for 73 yards against Indiana in the bowl game last year. Uh, they'll, they'll have to figure out, does he going to play tight end, receiver? What's he going to do? Um, they've got Ole Miss ranked 27th to start the year. So, a little yeah. bit ahead. I think that's fair for them how they performed last year. Yeah. I but. think they're – I mean, early on, Pittsburgh was 41st. They're obviously better than them. Florida's 11th. So, I can I can see Ole Miss being around bottom bottom end of the top 25. That's about where they need to be to start. Yeah. I think I – and people are going to say I'm a Kiffin hater. Just look at his history. Okay, that's all I got to say. Look at his history. He's not a, a big winner. So He's not. I mean, he's not done it at a consistent level. I know he, he had a good year he, at FAU, but, you know. Yeah, I bet that's FAU. I mean, Happel had a good year at UCF, even with somebody else's players, but still had a good year. I'm not calling him a great coach, but, I mean. Right. So, but if you compare the two, it's like, oh, no, Giffen's the greatest thing ever. Right. I liked him when he was here. Definitely yeah. did. It was fun. I, I hated it but when he left. I he loved wasn't. him when he was here. But So, after Ole Miss, we got to go to Tuscaloosa. I don't even know if I want to talk about that game. Um, Tennessee. No, nah, that's a nail. Just move on that's, to the next one. That's an, that's going to be – I know we're not picking games, but we already know what Alabama is going to be like. I mean, their quarterback's already making millions of dollars in the – with the yep. – um, new rules so i mean whatever that's not going to be pretty kentucky november 6 at kentucky uh, they beat tennessee pretty handily last year in neyland thanks to our boy jg gavin's gavin's boy jg um according to athlon they uh, have several key members of the 2020 team back um, but Mark Stoops' team will look significantly different than in recent years. He fired offensive coordinator Eddie Grand, former Tennessee coach, and quarterbacks coach Darren Henshaw, another Tennessee co- former coach. <laughs> um, hired L.A. Rams assistant Liam Cohen as his new offensive coordinator and hopes Sean McVay's system can be adapted to college football. Um, three-year starty, t- starter – God, I can't talk. Terry Wilson parted ways after last year. I was going to say, um, he's gone, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I got Joey he, Gatewood. He's a bad quarterback, man. Yeah, he Joey Gatewood, I don't even – I don't think he's that good either. And they got Maybe Bo, I'm a Kentucky hater. Bo but. Allen and Penn State transfer Will Levis will compete for the starting job. So, three different guys. Um, Levis was Penn State's backup last year. So, um, another team that we play with questions at quarterback. Now, we're playing them later in the season, so they may have them answered by then. Who knows? Um, Kentucky's never one of those teams that's going to light it up offensively. They're more of a nope. ground and pound, play solid defense, and you know, shorten the game type of team. Um, their final analysis on Kentucky is if they can find a quarterback, Cohen's offense provides a more balanced attack. Several young backups on defense can thrive. Um, it goes on to say that's a long list of ifs. 
a lot of questions, but they have them ranked. I when I was reading this earlier, that shocked me. Thirty fifth, they have them ranked higher than Pitt. They're That's probably crazy. about even I, with Pitt. I just don't get the love for them. I don't. I mean, they were one game better than us, and we That's were terrible. You, before we started recording, you said that same thing, and you're right. I mean, why thirty fifth? If they if you said forty. Somewhere between forty and fifty, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, that's probably right. But thirty fifth seems high to me for for Kentucky. It's just I I don't know. I don't get the love for them. One, they've proven they don't have offense, and I think this league is transitioning to offense. I mean, it is what it is. It's not the football we grew up with, and nope. they play good defense. I, I'll give them that, but they they just I don't know. They don't produce on offense, and they want to try to win with that ugly 20 to whatever it is score, and or they're going to score a lot of points on interceptions. And I can't even give them that much credit for the last year's interceptions because he looked right at them and threw it to them. Well, it's easy when they hit them right in the stomach. I mean, it was, it was easy pickings for them. That'll be an interesting game November 6th at – Commonwealth Stadium, Kroger Field, whatever it's called now. So the next week we're back at home after two road games. The Georgia Bulldogs come to town. And I do want to talk about them just a little bit. They're SEC East. Um, I don't – I put a poll out on Section YYH Twitter today. I haven't looked at it. It won't be final until Friday. But um, I put who will Tennessee – who's Tennessee more likely to upset? Florida, Georgia, Alabama or no one. Of course, everybody was picking no one. No one picked Alabama and no one picked Georgia. Now, some picked Florida, and we talked earlier in the year or earlier in the show that Florida could be a team that that we can beat if we catch them at the right time. And it's early in the season, coming off of a coming off of a Alabama game. So uh, Georgia, I don't think is going to be the case i mean we're in november you kind of are what you are at that point unless they're yeah. not very good um they've got a loaded offense coming back i mean right they're going to be good defensively. defense is going to be good like I, I know i just said it's not about defense anymore but they play good offense to go with that stop defense so they um, limit you enough to where if they score in the 30s they're good yeah, and JT, JT Daniels coming back is going to be big for them because I thought if they had him all last year, they were a different team. I thought they were yes. better with him last year. Um, they definitely I mean, were. the other kid came in and did what he could, and, but he was kind of like AJ Suggs. I forgot about that guy. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> they were running the walk on. He reminded me a lot of AJ Suggs. Yeah. How he filled in for Clawson there at the start of the year, and then they just like, you know what, we're putting Clawson in, and then. You, you know the rest, but they've yeah. got Georgia as number five nationally coming into the I think season. That's fair. So I think that's fair. Tennessee will host the Bulldogs November 13th, homecoming. homecoming. That's what one of my cousin, my cousin that goes to Auburn, one of her friends goes to Alabama, and I sent her a message the other day because Alabama announced that Tennessee and Alabama, going back to the Bama game, we're the homecoming game for Alabama. And it may it pissed yeah. me off, but when I think about it, it makes sense because normally you pick homecoming games, you pick non-conference teams that you're going to win, so all the alumni come back and see a win. It doesn't happen all the time. Obviously, this year with us, we haven't. 
we're playing Georgia on homecoming, but Tennessee and Alabama, Tennessee is Alabama's homecoming opponent. And I told her, I was like, homecoming games are for, are for shitty teams. But I guess that's mm-hmm. what we are now. And she was like, you said it, not me. So it's where we're at. Pitiful. So Georgia, November 13th, November 20th, South Alabama. I tried yeah. to look them up er- earlier before we got on. There's nothing about them. So win, I, I would assume that's a win. Then we got the Commodores coming to town. There's not much to say about Vanderbilt. They've got a new coach. They fired Derek Mason. They hired former Notre Dame defensive coordinator and Vanderbilt alumnus Clark Lee. I don't know anything about him. They, they won just three games no over the last two years. Major roster attrition. Uh, yeah, if anybody's worse than us, it's them. They are ranked. And I know South Carolina's pretty bad, but it's just hard to see them being anything. Athlon has them ranked 90th. <laughs> I mean, I think the only reason they have them on here is because they're in the SEC. SEC, yeah. Because I would assume that South Alabama and some of them are right in here with them, and they don't have previews for South Alabama or, or Bowling Green that I could find. But um, I don't know. when I And I'm not picking games quite yet, but when I look at that schedule, I see a win against Vandy, South Alabama, um, South Carolina, Tennessee Tech, and Bowling Green. So that's one, two, three, four, five right there. But then can you beat Pitt? That's six. Can you beat – I don't think they will, but can you go on the road and upset a Florida early on after yeah. playing Bama? Can you go on the road and upset Missouri? Can you beat – Upset Kentucky. Can you up? They're gonna have to oh, upset, upset somebody. Gross. It's gross saying upset. I mean, I hate Kentucky. saying it like, but it's. I know, I, mean, I know. But I mean, it is where that's where we're at. They're an established. I don't want to call them an established program because that's different. But they have an established culture. We'll say that they know what they are. We don't know what we are. That's why I think that Pittsburgh game early on. I hate to put a lot of pressure on the second game of the year. But winning that game and then winning next week against Tennessee Tech, going to Florida, being 3-0, and I mean, you're in a That'd pretty good huge. spot early on in the season. Um, even if you lose those next two, you're 3-2 and two against South Carolina. You could win that one if they're as bad as yeah. we think they're going to be. And you're 4-2 and two heading into Ole Miss and Alabama. So, say you lose the next two, you're still at 500, 4-4 four and four with Kentucky – South Alabama and Vandy to finish the season. I think Georgia's a loss, so there's four and five. But say you win those three out of the last four, you're seven and five. I mean, you talk about optimism going through the roof, and recruiting is starting to pick up a little for Josh Heupel. Not much. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, but, I think a lot of that is I'm not even keeping up with it much. I mean, I see the guys that have committed and what positions and whatnot, but not like I've ever been in the past. But a lot of that. Kids want to know what's going to happen to, to the program. I mean, are they coming to something that getting ready to get put <laughs> underground, or are they coming to something that, hey, you know, it's not going to be that bad? I don't know. Exactly. You're they right. Clean house. You, you don't clean house and have a gut feeling that the NCAA is going to murder you. You just roll about, with it at that point. I was about to ask you before we go, 
do you think the NCAA will do anything to Tennessee? Will, will anything come out during this football season, or do you think that ends up going away because we did clean house? <laughs> you know, part of me, it's like, it's Tennessee. They're going to murder us because it's Tennessee. But looking realistically, looking at all the stuff, I mean, if you want to look at other schools, I'm not even going to name schools, that blatantly have cheated and – we know it we've seen it on video and nothing happens to them and then you have a school that says you know what we had to we just gutted it everything even a former um hall of fame coach we told him to kick rocks even though we're paying him for some reason but i'm looking at that taking my tennessee blinders and everything they shouldn't be any punishment whatever tennessee says they're going to do should be enough they've already set themselves back i would say three years at least just because oh, the attrition at, you had the in the minimum. portal and who knows they're going to put some sanctions on their own recruiting. I mean, it's going to come. So the only way we're I don't not, think the NCAA should do anything. Honestly. The only way we're not in a three or four year hole in my opinion, which I think we are is if we do say we go which I don't think this will happen, but say we do go seven and five or six and six, we score a lot of points. There's a lot, there's a big time recruit in our backyard here in Powell now at Powell High School that came from Memphis, number one player in the country. There's yeah. some quarterbacks that are going to start looking at UT, especially if we have a good season this fall, put up a lot of points. There's, um, there could be some things go our way that, could make recruiting pick up in a hurry. Now, I'm not saying that Tennessee in in year three is going to be going 10 and 2, 11 and 1 and competing for the SEC, but you could, could recruiting I mean, at a high we, level. We could be looking Tennessee at these schedules the and be like, hey, we're going to win eight games, you know. Right. Exactly. That's what, well, yeah, I what, mean. Big thing, I mean, I feel like I say this all the time. I just want them to be competitive again. I don't want us to be the look on the schedule. Oh, that's a W type of team anymore. I need them to fix that more than yeah. anything. And we haven't seen that in a while. I mean, I guess 2018 we kind of did. Sorry, 2019 we kind of did, but yeah, um, especially toward the end of the year. But early on, it wasn't. I mean, things turned in that Bama game in 2019, but. Um, we really sh shouldn't have been in that game, to be honest. They had quarterback no. injury problems, and they just kind of found a way to get away with it. But, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting a five and seven. I said four and eight, but I'm expecting a five and seven, six and six season. But it could, if things fall their way and they get hot one game, they could go seven and five. Just looking at the schedule, I – I've kind of told Gavin last week, I've gone back and forth on it. Like sometimes I look at it like, man, that's tough. And then sometimes I look at it again, like, God, that's, that's not very good. That's a weak schedule, which is okay. Yeah. I was going to say for what we've had in the past, if any year you're having transition and you're bringing in somebody that's good at offense, this is the year to do it. I still, you're just going to have to go put that product on the field and prove me wrong. I just don't think they're going to do it. If that makes sense. We'll see. It's rapidly approaching. It, we're recording this on July 29th. The season kicks off September 2nd. So this is a Thursday night. So we are one, 
two, three, four, five Thursdays away from being back in section YY8 for the last first game of the season for section YY8. Will, will you will That's you crazy. be emotional? Will you be emotional? Probably not. I think Tennessee's taking a lot I won't of my either. emotion out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, I'll be maybe emotional. In past years, yes, but I'll be emotional. But it might be for the wrong reason. It might be Correct. because we're not playing well. There were there will right. be emotion. But yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You and I have got to figure out, one, if we're I'm, – I'm sure I'll be back. I don't know what your thoughts are. I hadn't really talked to you about it, but we'll have to figure out where we're moving to. I mean, I know you've yeah, talked know. about moving to the Tennessee Terrace. I don't know if I'll do that. Well, but. after after they threw all the things out of how much it was going to cost to get in there this year, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Like financially, way more stable than I ever was when I jumped in YY8. I yeah. took some weird plan just to get in. And now it's totally different. Yeah, I was but telling somebody was asking me now it's do I want to give them that money? Somebody was asking it. me um on our golf trip uh how I got tickets. And when I started getting tickets, they had I don't know if they still have it or not. I haven't seen it. They had the young alumni. Young alumni. Yep. And it so was a hundred dollar donation to get yep. those seats. I mean, it's only five hundred now, so it's not like we're you know paying a ton of money, but um, I've always enjoyed those seats. It's a great view of the stadium. Great, we can see the jumbotron. The view is amazing. I we're, mean, that's why I stayed the, there. We're on the aisle, so we got to go to the bathroom or concession stand. We just hop right out. Me and you jump over Big Montana and go. Or <laughs> sometimes he's not there, and we don't have to worry about jumping over him. That's but, true. That's but, true. Sometimes uh, you're not there, and I have I'm four not. seats to myself. <laughs> We've had a lot more open seats the last two or three years than we're – Oh, man. Yeah, it's been brutal. First, the first year I had those seats was 2009. I was telling people to get out of my seats the first year. Yeah, I remember. And, um, so and that was I Dooley's had, first year, I believe. I had your seats that yeah, first you year I was there. After. And then in 2010, I called them uh, before the season and I was, or I guess when we were trying to figure out tickets and I said, Hey, if those aisle seats open up next to me, I want them. And back then they didn't do the seat relocation thing like they do now. And I just put that in the notes and I wasn't half expecting anything to happen. And then I got my tickets and there they were. I'll cause I had the little star next to it and it said aisle seats. And I'm like, yes, I got <laughs> aisle seats. I can I stretch my legs seats. out and um, and you don't even sit on the. I don't even anyway. sit there. Bowling, Big Montana's got him, which is fine. <laughs> I don't care. Um, me and Big Montana, it's two big guys sitting there on that section, so <laughs> we take up a lot of room. But I just, oh, that, I'm gonna take uh, up more room this year. Don't you worry. You, um, I think you came in. It was it ten or eleven, or was it twelve? Dewey's first year, I believe. So that was 10. So you were the year after yeah. me. So you got my seats my, the year after. My Kiffin seats were in – oh, they were across lower levels. They were good. They were really good. But I got them off a of buddy. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna get in on my own. And we haven't been good since. Um, I texted somebody a while back and told them that um, this would be my last year in Section YY8. And I said, I wonder where they'll, <laughs> where they'll try to move me. And he wrote back section double K row eighteen. Which yeah, is, so that's what 
if they try to move me over, no, you know, I'll, just, I'll lap them off. I'm like, nah, no, it ain't happening. I'll buy tickets. I'll just go and buy tickets game by game. I won't exactly. even go to it'll the be, non-conference. It'll be cheaper, and I can just throw my $500 donation down, get my basketball, baseball, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I will not. If they try to move me to the to the nasty south end zone, I won't go. Yeah. I'll, I'll just buy tickets somewhere now, else. From what I've seen and heard, and I don't – this is not fact. They're going to give us first priority to this new section if we want it. Now, I have no idea how much it's going to cost. It's going to be a right. pretty penny, I'm sure. Yeah. But if it's not crazy, like let's say $2,000 donation, I might entertain it. Just because, yeah. like I said, I'm in a different financial status than I used to be. And that that's not like, oh, I'm saving up and paying that. <laughs> yeah, for I've the got. Year. I'm I'm thinking about when I'm going to Chicago next week, and when I get back a week after next, I think I'm going to give the Tennessee fund a call because the email they sent us said somebody will contact us, and I know the season hasn't started right. yet, and somebody probably will, but I want to find but I want I'm, some more info like what's going. Yeah, I would like, like to plan that out honestly. Yeah, like what's it going to cost to sit there? Because I know it's going to be. I guess they would call it premium seating. They may not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know um, at all. Um, but I, I think from what I read, it's going to be its own little like, like Tennessee Terrace type part. Like you have, yeah, to have, it's going to be a miniature terrace out there. Like we can't honestly, just walk in the terrace with our tickets and they they let that you come is in. A great spot for like a terrace vibe. It really yeah. is. Oh, it will. It'll be great because that jumbotron. If you look at the drawings, the renderings of it, you've got that jumbotron behind it or the video screen. And then you've got the little area with concessions, a bar, restrooms, mm-hmm. whatever, right in there, which is what you see at a lot of pro stadiums. And I think that is a great idea for that stadium because we're not, let's face it, we're not going to put a yeah, hundred thousand in there anymore unless it's a big game. Right. And to get people in, I think it's a great idea. I know it's going to look different and they're booting us out, but maybe we'll still be there. I don't know. I hate, giving up those seats i've kind of always big montana's pushed me to this and i went over and sat there two years ago just to see but over in the in the double x section over toward the site to the right of us yep i thought that, I, was, that was pretty good that seat. was my original seats okay he that was big my montana said over there before he started coming to games with me and he always has talked about yep, it so. I, I liked them um That's, and we went to the orange and white game and I paid the fee to relocate. We may I have like to the uh, I hate better. If we're getting blown out or something, we may we Just all there have to go over there and sit for like a quarter is. or something and see what's see what it looks. I've sat over there before. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, a high school friend too. of mine had tickets up in the chairback seats over there in that side, and those were good seats, but it was a little higher. But yeah. um, honestly, I wouldn't mind chairbacks at this point. No, they're okay. It's like. I get my space, and I know what the donation is there, so it's not astronomical. Lots to know. decide. Lots to decide. Well, I guess we'll find out more, and we'll, uh, like I said, before the season starts, we'll pick our games. We'll have uh, – I kind of want to do a um, live show before the season to kind of pick what everybody thinks is going to happen, put it on record keep track of it as the season goes on and then we'll have you back on for a uh 
section YY8 special. Remember the bad Sounds times. Sounds good. Remember, Remember the bad, the bad times, times special. The, the three good times. Remember those. Georgia 2015, Florida 2016. What would the other one be? Maybe there's been would that be it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if South you were... Carolina. South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yes, that oh. was a good one. <laughs> we had a couple. Uh, yeah, I was sitting in there when we beat uh, South Carolina in uh, 15. So that was a good one. Yeah. 13 and 15 were both good games. So we'll talk about those later on. Davey, appreciate you coming on. and Thanks for having me. We'll uh, see how the Vols do this fall. We'll have you back. But appreciate everybody listening this week. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Section YY8. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, podbean.com, podbean app, uh, listennotes.com, I think has us. Plenty of places to find us. Just Google, Bean, whatever you use. Section YY8 Podcast, pull us up. Spread the word. Appreciate everybody listening. Don't know when we'll be back. Like I said, I will be traveling next week, so not sure if we'll record next week or not. But if not, Gavin will be back from his mental health break, and we'll (laughs) see you guys here in a couple weeks. Appreciate you listening to the Section YY8 podcast. Ain't no smoky smoke up on Rocky Top, ain't no telephone bill. Once I had a girl.